Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Nathan Detroit building in beautiful Midtown Chesapeake, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Ocean's Eleven. Someday I'll have me a chauffeur and a block-long limousine, EO-11, EO-11. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, fellas. Hey, Rob. You know, people always talk about, what, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And they talk about what is a Christmas movie, but you never hear anybody talk about New Year's movies. That's true. And this being the New Year's edition of the podcast, I guess, <laughs> two days after New Year's. Right. Uh, you know, we thought we would do a New Year's movie. And yeah, we could have done New Year's Evil or... New uh, Year's Evil. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. you know, one of those horror movies, but we thought... Ocean's Eleven. It's a New Year's movie. It takes place on New Year's Eve. It takes place leading up to, but the heist is on New Year's Yeah. The point of the movie. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, with our love for all things Rat Pack, it's a no-brainer, of course. Indeed. And Ocean's Eleven, I don't know if that's really a cult film, but I don't know that it matters. Well, we are talking about the original Ocean's Eleven, not that crap that was made by Clooney and his (laughs) And his guys a few years ago, which, you know, hey, not knocking them. They're probably, you know, decent heist movies. But to call the motions 11 after the Rat Pack movies is just, you know, well, heresy. You haven't seen them and neither have I. So I have no idea how it compares. But you know what? I don't know that we need to compare. Although I, I had played around with the idea of watching them both so we could compare. And well, contrast. there's no comparison. They're modern movies with all the modern technology involved in the heist. And, you know, they don't have the charm that. It's not the Rat Pack. I mean, you know. Yes, this is very It's Clooney true. and Brad Pitt. It's not Frank and Dean and Sammy. Yeah, true. There's just no comparison. And also, you know, all the charm of the early 60s, everything that had to do with, with the fashions and the technology and, the, uh, you know, the whole decor, the hotels and the casinos and all that. Yes. Definitely a time yeah. that, that we enjoyed. Now, this is the entire Rat Pack in this movie, which is Frank, Dean, Sammy, Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop. Right. Along with Angie Dickinson, Cesar Romero, Norman Fell. Okay, any movie with Fell is a good film. Jeez, <laughs> uh, who else is in this? Uh, Henry Silva, a handful of other folks. Shirley MacLaine makes a cameo. I mean, there's at least 11. Yeah, Red Skelton <laughs> makes a cameo. And the whole point of the movie is Sinatra is Danny Ocean, and he was the leader of a Army Airborne Commando unit in the war, and he gets his unit back together of 11 guys to pull a heist to knock over five casinos, five casinos in Las Vegas at the same time. At the Yeah, at the exact same time on New Year's Eve. Yes. That's basically the plot of the film. Pretty much. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun, especially if you like the Rat Pack. I mean, it's a great time capsule, and it's it's actually historical because this was the time where the infamous Summit at the Sands happened, mm-hmm. and it happened because of the movie, or the movie happened because of the summit. They, they all kind of was hand hand in hand. Mm-hmm. They the pack performed at the Sands at night and filmed the movie in the early. Well, sometimes early morning, sometimes early afternoon, <laughs> depending yeah. on who showed up when. Trying to get them all to show up at the same time. Right. That was a, a, a chore to wrangle all of them. I'm sure it was. Well, not everybody knows what the Summit at the Sands was, so why don't you 
Well, say. the summit is one of the most historical live performances, musical performances in in history. It was pretty much kind of made Vegas. It's where the Rat Pack really got together as the Rat Pack and started to really be known as the Rat Pack. It was Frank and Dean and Sammy, Peter Lawford and Joey performing at the Sands in the Copa Room at night. And tons of other celebrities showed up. I don't know. I think it was like 34,000 people showed up that week just to see their performances at at the Sands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's infamous. It's famous. Uh, There's a little bit of footage from it, I think. But everybody that talks about it that was there at the time just has amazing things to say about the performance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that will not be repeated, cannot be repeated because it was like lightning in a bottle. Right. Well, and you were just telling me that the Venetian is now built on the site of the sands. Yeah. When the sands was imploded, they built the Venetian up on that site and the Copa room. Well, what, where the, approximately where the Copa room was in the hotel, I guess they had, uh, their venue in the, in the Venetian has been called the Sands Room mm-hmm. for years. And I think just this past year, they changed it to the Summit Room. Right. Well, at least they've uh, held up some tradition there. Honor That's the nice. guys. You yeah. Know. The thing, one thing that bugs me about Vegas, we love Vegas, is that you don't see a whole lot of Rat Pack stuff around there. True. I mean, there should be a big statue of the Rat Pack as you're coming into Vegas, you know, just before or after the Vegas sign. Because those guys really made that town what it was. They put it on the map. There's a couple of streets named Dean Martin Drive or Frank Sinatra Drive, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, side streets. But there's no, and there is that the Rat Pack is back show in, I forget which hotel it is, down in old Vegas. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's, you know, not a lot. I think it's a travesty myself. <laughs> it is kind of sad. Feels like they uh, they kind of lost sight of where they came from a little bit. Yeah, but except you... for Casa de Amore. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, look, we could do a whole hour on our love of Vegas, <laughs> and probably a half hour on the restaurant Casa de Amore. But it's probably the best Italian restaurant I've been to, and the best restaurant in Vegas that I've been to, definitely hands down. It's like you walk into old Vegas when you walk in there, and the food's excellent, and the Staff is great, and they have live lounge music, and it's just, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Casa de Amore is amazing. If you ever get to Vegas, you should definitely go. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. Anyway. But back to the movie. Yes. You know, it's a a fun movie. It's it's not action-packed. It's, you know, it's not that. It's most of the movie is them planning the heist and getting things together. Mm -hmm. You do get a couple performances from Sammy. Yeah. And Dean. Ain't that a kick in the head? Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Yes. Everything pretty much goes according to plan. They have a couple little setbacks that, that you'll see when you watch the movie, because you should watch the movie. Well, I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole movie is, like you said, people, they're planning, really. The, the, the heist itself happens pretty, pretty quickly. Quick. Yeah. Close to the end. I mean, relatively close to the end. Yeah. Then but at no point are you bored. This is not an action-packed film. I mean, no. there's there's not really any action going on. No. But it's, the thing is, it's the charm and the charisma of these guys right. carry it right on through. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I understand, too, most of the, or at least a lot of the dialogue was ad-libbed. Oh, yeah? From yeah. everybody? It, well, at least from the, you know, 
the Rat Pack guys because mm-hmm. they, you know, they knew each other so well. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that they came up with was funnier or better than the actual Whatever script. Was on the so script. yeah, so they left it in there, you know. One of the things I like is Shirley MacLaine's cameo. Apparently, all of her dialogue was ad libbed, and she drops a line. This from Dean's act. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That you'll you've heard it. if if you listen to any of his any of his live recordings, it's on there. Ooh, I'm so drunk. I don't think I could lie down without holding on. She also got, she took the job. Warner Brothers gave her a car for the cameo instead of like a a scale or a paycheck. She got a brand new car, but she said in an interview, I think in like recently within the last 10 years or so that she uh, took the job just to hang out with her Rat Pack buddies. You know, she would have taken it for nothing just to hang out and play with them. Yeah. You really can't, you know, without doing any research or anything, you really can't comprehend the historical nature of that film and those guys at that time Mm -hmm. with what was going on. If you look at Vegas the way it was then, and and of course you can see in the film how spread out the hotel, the casinos are from each other. Yeah. And now, you know, you can't spit between two casinos in Vegas. Well, they're literally hooked together Uh in most cases. But what these guys brought to the table for this movie, you could have put, handful of other name actors of the time and made this film and it wouldn't have the following that it does today. Right. It, it really just wouldn't, which is a testament to those guys as performers and, and legends and, you know, whatever else you want to call them. But again, the movie's a lot of fun because you see Sinatra and Dean and Lawford cutting up and having a ball and Joey Bishop. And of course, like I said, you get Henry Silva and Cesar Romero in there. Mm-hmm. It's never quite clear as what Cesar Romero, who he is. Yeah. His name's Duke. And, uh, but you get the impression he's like an ex criminal or an ex mafia guy or something retired. Yeah. But he still has a lot of contacts on. Everybody knows him. Right. And it's Cesar Romero. And you don't, you know, if you've seen him on Batman as the Joker, it's not, it, God, it can't be the same guy. It doesn't, you know? yeah. He's it, just amazing. Yeah. It doesn't seem. And in this, he looks huge. Oh, you know, yeah. he looks like a mountain of a, of a guy, mm-hmm. you know, and on, on Batman, what's the way he carries himself in the outfit? You know, he looks a little thinner and smaller, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this came out in 1960, so I guess it was 1959 uh, is when they were making it and when the summit happened, or maybe it happened in the early part of 60. And this was the height of their popularity, the Rat Pack. And towards the mid-60s, it started to wane with the British invasion. Mm-hmm. And then us getting involved in Vietnam and just the world changed Yeah, at that point. Yeah. But up until then, it was good times and ring-a-ding-ding and right. partying all night. Just fun. Uh, this, this film should still be readily available. I mean, I've had it on DVD for a long time. We've got the box set that's got, what, four of the other Rat Pack movies in it, yeah. I think. And a nice book and a documentary. And uh, I highly recommend that if you can get that box set, definitely do it. Because the other movies are fun too. But this is the the peak. And again, it's a New Year's movie. So, you, you know, you watch it on New Year's Eve. It's a shame we didn't look at it and time it out to see where when they start singing all that anxiety <laughs> in the film, if we could have timed it to write it so, so that would happen right at midnight, you know. 
Well, we we managed to watch it so that when it went off and the credits were done, we had what eight minutes left until midnight. <laughs> yeah, so we watched the movie and then we watched the ball drop and said Happy New Year and all that. Yeah. So it was close. It was very close. Yeah. Well, one thing that I thought was I don't know, almost surprising, I guess. Yeah. Is the the odd sense of humor that they throw in there now and again. That, yeah. I mean, and they often did mm-hmm. because they were all just good friends and, yeah. and, you know, they joke around like friends do. But, yeah. you know, like at one point when they're all in the garbage truck or whatever oh, yeah. with Sammy and they're putting on the... the oh, put on the blackface so they can go break into that building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and we're saying that. It's not blackface to look like a black person. It's blackface, you know, because they're doing undercover... Like, yeah, like commando raids. Commando raid, yeah. dark... Camouflage. Yeah, undercover of darkness, camouflage type stuff. <laughs> they're all putting it on and Sammy's driving and he looks over and he starts laughing and they look at him wondering why he's laughing and he, he says... I knew this color would come in handy one day. <laughs> Hey, Josh. Yeah. How do you get this stuff off? Well, what I usually... (laughs) (laughs) It just cracked me up. But, you know, for a minute, because of the state of where we are today... Oh, nobody's got a sense of humor about it. No, they don't. And I started to think, gosh, I wonder if you could even do that today. Could you even pull that joke today without somebody being offended? I defy anybody to try to say something against the rat pack oh i know and i'm not saying they shouldn't have done you it don't I tell just, mr s ah uh, he can't do that yeah right but anyway it was yeah. funny and it was uh and then there was the other one um where where they first meet up with jo- josh and sammy right yeah uh-huh. they first meet up with josh after he's done his little bit and he's like uh what happened to the what happened to the bit with the what was he supposed to be in baseball oh or the baseball yeah he was supposed to go after the war army he i guess he went to play baseball right and he said oh that didn't work out so well can you imagine a, a one-eyed outfielder or whatever it was yeah. <laughs> you know he just had a good sense of humor about just the state of of life you know yeah some of the um tell me earlier we we're talking about ad libs you know when that woman comes in to danny's uh, room and starts accusing him of cheating on her but they weren't really together you know yeah, instead yeah. of fling they had like a one-night fling yeah. essentially and he has some sharp lines for <laughs> I picked you up at the Biltmore Bar because I thought you were attractive and I had nothing better to do. They were good. But you know when she throws that ashtray at him against the wall? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't scripted. Oh, it was that So like? his reaction is real. And when they come out, the dean and Lawford come out to look, apparently their reaction was kind of real too. Oh. Well, put this in your pipe. One of these days, I'll break your back. I swear it. <laughs> good thing for you she doesn't pack a knife how do you know she doesn't that was kind of cool that is cool and you were saying there was um there part of their plan is they have to mark the door oh yeah <laughs> with this what like bioluminescent yeah uh, shows up on like infrared glass as you can see it yeah as paint so they have this it's invisible in the daylight but at night it'll shine. Well, no, not at night. Well, I mean, it'll if shine you with see these those glasses. glasses. Yeah. So they they mark the doors with this stuff, and at one point the doors that go back to the the vault room okay. or whatever. Because the whole thing. Well, oh, first we got to set up why they're doing that is because <laughs> their plan is they have an electrician, and he goes into each casino and gets into where the electrical panel is and rewires the emergency generators with the doors. Yeah. With the d- doors to the cages where the money's kept. Yeah. So they're gonna blow. A power, 
uh, one of the towers for power out in the tower of power uh, <laughs> out in the desert. And when they do that, all the casinos are going to go dark. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. And within a minute, the uh, generators in each hotel would kick in so mm-hmm. they would have power at the tables and all that. But he rewires it so when the generators kick in. It opens the doors. The doors open. Instead, the instead of the lights coming back on. So for these guys to see in the dark where to go, the guys would spray their shoes, the bottom of their shoes, with that paint. So their footprints go right to the door. And then they spray around the door handle so they can see that's the door to go into. Right. So what you were getting at, I know what you are getting at. Yeah. Is one of the guys, If you, you have to look because it, you can't see the spray coming out because it's you know almost invisible. But if you look... When uh, I forget which hotel he's in and which actor it is, but when he's spraying the the door handle, the nozzles turn back towards him. Mm-hmm. So he's actually spraying his own hand <laughs> and the little cigarette uh, ashtray thing he's got yeah. that he puts hides it in. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't tell. No. It's really uh, you know, it was a great plan for the day when the security wasn't as you know technology didn't handle all the security like it does now yeah when i asked you when we were watching it because it's just not something i thought about when i watched it years ago i guess yeah but was this before fingerprinting because it seems like that would have been an easy catch (laughs) yeah they should have made a point to wear gloves um i'm not sure when fingerprinting came in to play i know it it had been longer than i thought i did look it up briefly and skimmed over it it had been around longer than I thought, but it, the fingerprinting and getting it back and all that stuff really didn't kick in hard, I don't think, until like the 70s. Yeah. It's not like today when there's a database of a yeah, bunch of people's just, fingerprints where you could just scan it in and, and yeah. get a recognition thing. But Yeah, NCIS. Well, it's funny because, you know, mm-hmm. the whole idea behind this is they've they've got this nearly perfect heist thing going. Yeah. They've got one person working in every hotel. Yeah. Every casino. And then they have one person, like, there, I guess, as a guest or whatever. Yeah. As backup. And then so Sammy. So it just takes two of them to grab the money and run. Right. And then Sammy is on the outside because yeah. he's got he's got the, the yeah. trash truck so, job. Yeah. So basically what they do is they get the money into satchels mm-hmm. and they go dump it in the garbage can out back. One of the specific garbage cans out back. And Sammy comes on his garbage run. Picks and just picks trash. up the garbage, and everybody's going to check that. I mean, that's what he does every day, you know? It's just a routine thing. Yeah. And he goes and grabs the bags out of his truck, buries them in a the place in the... At the dump. At the dump, until the heat cools off, and they figure out how to get the money out of town. Right. Now, the heat comes on them by way of uh, Cesar Romero. Right. He's going to be a he stepfather go- to, to Peter, Jimmy. Yeah, Peter Lawford's character. And he goes into the... Uh, casino owners are having a meeting and he goes in and says hey i'll get your money back and he's apparently like a notorious crook of yeah some or no- retired of, right but he's got a reputation of getting things done apparently yeah so he goes to them and says yeah. i'll get your money back i've got contacts for 30 percent right of the take and they're like okay we'll, yeah. we'll agree to that we're gonna get nothing or we'll get yeah. you know most of it back and they ask him why he said somebody you know Amateurs pull a gig like this is embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why he's doing me and down, yeah. So then he starts digging in, trying to figure it out. And he... But he can't find anything He can't find anybody. anything. There's no news about it from anywhere because because, because these are not crooks. Yeah. These are not criminals. It's not on the underground anywhere. Yeah. There's no buzz about it anywhere. 
But then... A series of, hmm, things happen. And he figures out that it's Peter Lawford and his commando unit did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that one of the guys dies. Yeah, one of the guys, after the job, the guy, the electrician dies. He had a bum ticker. Yeah. And you find that at the beginning. He has a heart attack crossing the street. Yeah, he after, just, just random heart attack yeah. crossing the street and dies. And then Jimmy's mom comes in and says that, you know, he's in town, whereas he had told everybody that he was going skiing. Yeah. So now not only is one member of the, was it 82nd? I think it's so, 82nd Airborne. Of the 82nd Airborne uh, in town and dead. But yeah. now Jimmy's in town. And so is Danny the rest Ocean, of the, his yeah. friend Danny Ocean. Because and Caesar, she found out that they're all there yeah. too. Caesar slash Duke starts doing a little thing, finds out they're all there. And he says, and he starts laughing to himself like, it's genius. It's perfect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So he just goes to Danny and tells him, you know, we're going to, or he says, you're, you're going to give me, what's he want? 50%? Half. Give me half and I won't turn you in. Yeah. So they figure out, okay, we got to get, a, you know, how can we get a, get away with this and not give him half and not get caught? So they fe- they decide to, their buddy that died, his wife's going to come claim the body and ship it back to California. Right. So they decide to put all the money in the coffin. Right. And then they'll just go to wherever she lives and get the money from the coffin. Yeah. And now, originally, you told me that well, originally the, the ending uh, was not going to yeah. be that. It looks like the one of the first scripts where they were going to escape Vegas in a chartered plane piloted by one of the airborne guys, mm-hmm. but it crashed and they all died. <laughs> so everybody died. But, yeah, but, but that's not what happened no, because they thought it was too it was, depressing. Yeah, they thought it would be a big downer, so they rewrote the script. So and, in this case, the funeral director convinced the wife that she doesn't need to pay for yeah, uh, when transportation she comes to, when he has, for the Are you a woman of means? Yeah. And uh, Josh, Sammy, before they put the money in there, he took 10000 out to send to the guy's widow for the kid, for right. his kid. yeah. So she said, well, I've got $10,000 that was sent to me this morning. I think it was his insurance or something, but I'd like to keep that for the child's uh, education, college education. Yeah. He said, well, we can provide the same service here that they do in California, and it would save you the expense of shipping the body home and, you know, can cremate the body and, yeah, and save a lot the, of... Here. The American Legion can act as pallbearers and all that. So <laughs> unbeknownst to the pack. Yeah. So they all show up. For the funeral, yeah. because now instead of you know following the body on the train or whatever's going to happen, they see plane, the American Legion walking in. Yeah. and they're like, "What's going they on all here?" Show up at the funeral and they're sitting there all in a row on one pew. Yeah, and then they hear this. They start hearing noise. this noise, and it starts at the one end. And he's like, the guy asked "What the, was that?" Yeah. Well, there's a guy on the end beside Sinatra who's not part of the airborne. He says, "What's that noise?" He said, "Oh, that's the uh, crematorium. That's a cremation fire." Yeah, the bodies are the bodies being cremated. Yeah. And they one by one they look at each other with this look of like, oh man, on their face. You know? Yeah. And of course, then uh, Caesar Romero comes in and he hears that too. And, and then it's all done. Nobody gets any money except for the dead man's wife. Yeah. And the last shot is them walking down, just just broken, despondent, walking down the strip. And as the credits are rolling. Which is cool. Each credit goes by. As the guy walks by, his name goes by. Mm-hmm. But as they're walking closer to the camera and further and further, the sign of the sum, the Sands uh, marquee sign is, mm-hmm. comes into play. And it shows Joey Bishop, Peter Lawford, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra on the sign. Mm-hmm. And Sam is the last person in the shot before it goes 
fades to black there. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of one of the, what do they call it now, meta? Yeah. When, you know, it's self-aware <laughs> kind of things. Yeah. You know, that was kind of cool. I did, one of the things that <laughs> Sinatra said, Lawford is the guy who found the script first. Okay. And when he presented it first, I think he wanted William Holden to be, he had in mind, but then Sinatra got a wind of the script and he really liked it and wanted to do it. But after he read it, he said, to, you know, to hell with the movie, let's pull the job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a great fun film. And like I said, if you love the Rat Pack like we do, it's a must see. If you haven't seen it yet, you really need to see it. And there's plenty of, well, plenty. There's three or four, I think, live shows of the Rat Pack out there. You can get on CD. They're just a lot of fun. And I listen to them in constant rotation in my car driving around. Yes, you do. They did a few other films. Sergeants 3. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Robin in the Seven Hoods mm. is kind of fun, mm-hmm. which is a 30s gangster take on the Robin Hood thing. And that has Bing Crosby in it. Okay. Peter Falk is in it, which is a joy. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Peter Falk is I like Peter hilarious. Falk. Yeah, he is. And they did a few others, too. But those are like the top ones that you hear about all the time. But Ocean's Eleven is it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So having not seen the the remake, I wonder if the plot is the same. Well, I saw the I saw the first one. Did you? Years ago. I yeah. don't think I ever saw it. Or if I did, I've totally yeah. forgotten. And it's I mean it's okay for what it is if you like those guys. No, no, know. I don't even mean that. I just mean did they keep the plot the same? Kinda. Kinda. I can't remember now if they were a military unit or if he just grabs guys that he knows. Yeah, but I mean, do they do but they get the money out in the end? Well, I can't do they remember put that. the money I, in the body? I remember he's Danny Ocean, and I think Julia Roberts plays the Angie Dickinson part as estranged wife. Right. So they have that going. Yeah. And they're I don't and they don't knock over five casinos. I think they do two, hmm. or something like that. It's a lot smaller than five. Yeah. You know? Well, technology changed. Yeah, it's a lot harder. Yeah. And yeah, with the technology, <laughs> they have to go through a lot more than. You know, just spray painting the door and walking in when the power goes yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. You know? So, I mean, they're entertaining movies like, for what they are, I guess. And I haven't seen the other two or three. I know Ocean's 8. Is that the one with Sandra Bullock? Yeah, that's the one with all females. Yeah, well, I have to see yeah. that because of Sandra Bullock, but anyway. <laughs> Which that one, would, I mean, you know, if they didn't do the other ones with Clooney, I think that might have been kind of cute. And so far as they want, not, they're not remaking it. Mm-hmm. They're not remaking Ocean's Eleven. She's not, I guess, she's not like, you know, Danielle Ocean. <laughs> not like <laughs> right. when they did Ghostbusters where they remade. Of course, yeah. they weren't the same characters either. But, yeah, you know, it would have been like, okay, we're doing a heist like those guys did back then. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I'll have to check that one out yeah. anyway. But definitely, definitely see this film. It's so much fun. And I keep saying that over and over again. I can't say that enough times. That's how much I love the Rat Pack. <laughs> Those guys. They're just you know, the epitome of cool at that time. Yes. You know. And they're you, still cool. What are you talking they, about? Well, they are. But, I mean, they, they were the height of their popularity. And they are, you know, smooth and swinging and cool. And you just, you know, it's not going to see performers like that ever again. It's definitely a very different time. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's on any streaming service right now. We watched it. On the DVD. Yeah, we watched it on the DVDs that we have. But I'm I'm sure it's easily available and easy to find. Every time I Indeed. see one in the wild, like at a thrift store, I feel compelled to save it. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, I guess this is a pretty short one, but yeah, it's a very famous movie. I don't know that it's a super cult following, but it's definitely one we felt we should talk about because yeah. it's it's near a New Year's film. It's a New Year's film, and it's it's near and dear to Rob's heart. So yeah, it was appropriate for the day. Yes, and Phyllis didn't want to watch New Year's Evil. So. <laughs> Only because we had just watched Christmas Evil, and I was not happy with the evil part. <laughs> we may have to watch that again at some point, though. Yeah, that's what you keep saying. Yeah, we will. We'll watch it again. You can watch that again. Okay. <laughs> and I will probably watch New Year's Evil at some point, too, but I was not feeling it's it. Not, not, I'm a little yeah. jaded against Christmas, the Look, word evil. Wait, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're talking to the cat that sat through Silent Night, Deadly Night, three, four, five. Oh, I can sit through some shit, but yeah. I oh, I oh. am jaded against evil right now. I don't know if I would put those on you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we'll I would, see. because <laughs> they do get a little silly. So yeah. <laughs> there's that, anyway. Well, I'm used to that. That's okay. Yeah. Anyhow, well, I guess that's about it. I think so. So we have one thing left to do. That's right. We need to prove that the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. This is the game we play at the end of almost every episode where, much like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, we discovered many years before that game came into existence that you can connect anybody and anything back to the original Planet of the Apes films, proving that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. So we're going to do that right now. We are indeed. Okay. I mean, and with a cast like this, I'm not even sure who to start with. We should probably do everybody. But <laughs> we can't because we'll be here all day. Yeah. So I don't think we've ever done a movie that had Sinatra. So why don't ah. you just tie Frank Sinatra back to Planet of the Apes? Okay. Sinatra. Okay, Sinatra was in Anchors Away with Gene Kelly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gene Kelly was in Sing- Singing in the Rain with Gene Hagen. Mm-hmm. Gene Hagen was in Panic in the Year Zero with Frankie Avalon, right. who was in Beach Party and at the end of that, Vincent Price shows up, <laughs> who was on the Batman show as Egghead, and Roddy McDowell was on Batman as Bookworm, Planet Apes. Well, there you go. <laughs> Frank Sinatra about that. also is related to Planet of the Apes. Because Everybody everyone is. is. <laughs> Everybody is. So go watch all the original Planet of the Apes films and the TV show and the cartoon. And then watch Ocean's Eleven. Or watch Ocean's Eleven first. And then watch the Apes stuff. <laughs> well, once again, you have proven that the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the yes, Apes. Yes, it does. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I guess that's about it. I think so. So uh, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. And until next time, thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. In the meantime, E-O, 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 Eleven, E-O, Eleven. Eo, he left.